questions at running back, questions in the secondary. Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Danny Sarek joins me. We attempt to answer those questions. Who steps up in the absence of James Conner? And if Jalen Thompson is not available, then how does the defense adjust? Oh, and Hollywood Brown wasn't spotted during Wednesday's practice. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 684, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Buda Baker, what heart, what threat. This guy's unbelievable. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, at the 5, he's in again! Some more Murray Magic! Wow! Here's Craig Grealoux. So we need to start with a public service announcement. A team's depth chart is not the be-all, end-all. It is a tool to help those who cover the team what might happen, not what will happen. So why are we discussing this here on a Wednesday cover two brought to you by presented by Hyundai proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Well, it was during practice on Wednesday. ESPN's Adam Schefter tweeted the following for what it's worth. Latest Cardinals depth chart lists running back Keontae Ingram as the starter and Amari DiMercato as his backup. And that was it. That was all that was written. And it took a moment. I was like, why was this? tweeted or put on X, whatever the heck we're calling it these days. I had no, I, it took me a while, Danny, but I figured it out because Amari was asked about it during the open portion of media locker room availability, fantasy football. That's the only reason this is a thing, fantasy football, because a starter has been hurt previously this season, i.e. Buda Baker. And what happens? The guy who's listed second on the depth chart moves up to become the starter. We don't make a big deal about that, but in this case, we did, or Adam Schefter did. I'm not going to pretend like I didn't get a text message from a close friend about that, and and I'm just like, what on earth? And of course, I can't, like, first of all, I can't say anything because I don't know the answer, right? But like, with the depth chart, that's just so, uh, it's just silly to me because you're right. On, on a full, healthy depth chart, it goes James Conner, Keontae Egram, Amari DiMercato. So if James Conner's out, everyone's just going to slide up. Now, personally, I don't really think that's necessarily how the reps are going to shake out. I'm in complete agreement with you. Hey, Let's discuss Hey, that here. doesn't happen often on this podcast. Keontae Egram has missed two games with a neck injury. He's back at practice Wednesday. When Jonathan Gannon spoke to the media before that practice about Keontae Ingram being back out there, to me it kind of sounded like he'll he'll be out there Sunday as well. Kind of like, okay, he's healthy, he's cleared. Ingram hasn't played in two weeks. On top of that, when he was playing, whether or not the fault falls fully on him, he was not efficient. He was really struggling to get positive yardage. So James Conner was carrying the load. And then it was kind of split with Keontae Ingram, some Di Mercado. And Di Mercado looked good when he stepped up that second half of Sunday's game against the Bengals once James Conner did not return with a knee injury, which put him on IR, so he's out for at least four games. It's not going to look the same. Physically, nobody else in that room is built 
like James Conner. Um, the the style, I would say probably Keontae Ingram is probably the most similar to a James Conner just from that build and probably their skill set. But what you're going to get out of Amari, Amari DiMercato is going to be different. That's not necessarily bad. And I think Sunday was a good example of that. It's not going to look the same, but it didn't really feel like the run game missed a beat once it was DiMercato running the show. Um, but when it comes to the depth chart and if both Ingram and DiMercato are healthy, look, there, there's a good chance Ingram will get the start. I'm just, I, I don't think the reps will be as uneven as they typically are when James Conner is your starter, where he is your RB1 and everybody else is, you know, on an as-needed basis when it comes to those offensive snaps. If Ingram starts, I would imagine it's a pretty supplemental role with DiMercato. Put it this way. Who starts, who doesn't start, is not that big a deal. Because it Drop is... Drop the mic, Craig. One snap. Jesse Lucchetta got a start last week at fullback. To your point, it's not who starts. How many reps are you getting on that football field? And I do think, based off what has happened most recently, you're going to ride the hot hand. Now, each week is a new week, and I get it. The opponent factors in as well. But DiMercato played well after Connor went down with that knee injury. And Ingram, when we have seen him on the field, has struggled. Now, could be no fault of his own. The blocking in front of him, he just hasn't had a lot of carries for a lot of positive yards. Let's just put it that way. And DiMercato has. Now, where the edge is to me, and this, again, not being told anything, but you look at where between those two, who has been more involved in the offense and the passing game? And that's where Di Mercado has a huge advantage as far as targets, receptions, receiving yards. And he brought it up in the locker room earlier on Wednesday. He's been that third down back, pass protection. And if you're in there on third down as a running back, the coaches trust you to protect the quarterback and also to be able to catch the ball out of the backfield. The, the running back situation is really intriguing to me this week because you also have Corey Clement, you also have Damian Williams, and you also have the newly acquired, I believe, Tony Jones Jr. So who is active? You're not going to have all of them active, surely. You've got too many other... First of all, that, that wouldn't make sense. Second of all, you've got too many other needs, i.e. the backfield, that you're going to need some depth. So who are you activating on Sunday? You could have three running backs active, which is not out of the realm of possibility. But if you are planning to elevate someone, i.e. Corey Clement or a Damian Williams, now with Clement, that would be his third elevation, which is fine. And then Monday, all of a sudden, you got to make a decision. You add him to the active roster or you expose him to waivers and he can sign with whomever he wants to as a believe he's a vested veteran, so he wouldn't have to be exposed to waivers. And then if he is not picked up moving forward, Cardinals could continue to elevate him, correct? Put him back on the practice squad, yeah. So there's that. Now, keeping three running backs. And again, you could have, you could elevate Corey. You could elevate Damian and just make maybe Tony Jones inactive because he just got here. And yeah, the one advantage though that Jones does have over, I wouldn't say over a Corey or a Damian, is that he has been in a training camp. He has been playing. He was playing for the Saints and playing a lot. I mean, the numbers don't bear it out, but he was seeing a lot of time on the football field. So it's not like he's someone off the street. He has been playing. 
But now you're learning a new system here and a system that I do think is going to be changing. It has to change. Heck, it changed in the second half against the Bengals on Sunday. You lose number six, and yeah, the decision-making changes. What do you want to do as an offense changes? Do you go for it on fourth and one inside the 20-yard line if you have a James Conner? Or do you run that play if you have a James Conner at your availability? I'd much rather have it in Connor's hands than Dobbs's hand, especially out of the shotgun. So I do think you're going to see a little bit different of a run game slash offense because you lose a huge part of that offensive scheme without James Connor. I think something, too, that'll be interesting moving forward, this was the most immobile quarterback Josh Dobbs was. The previous three weeks, he was just behind James Connor for second most rushing yards. He had gains of about like 48, 44, I think 58. Like I think those were his previous three um, stats for rushing yards for the, for the last three games. And then against the Bengals, he had three carries for one yard. I think that's going to be an aspect of this offense that might change because exactly what you were saying. None of these running backs are what James Conner is. To no fault of their own, that's just, it, it is what it is. That's why James Conner has gotten paid. That's why he's a starting running back. But when you have a player like Conner that can either distract or block or do what he needs to do, that's been part of the reason that Dobbs has been able to use his legs the way that he has. How is that going to change if you don't have that threat the way you have? We've heard that it's going to take a collective effort to replace James Conner because he does different things so well. And I buy that because I do think you're going to see maybe a little bit more of a rotation at running back than if you had a healthy Conner. Though you talk to running backs, Danny, they always say they get better as the game goes on. The more Isn't that touches, crazy? The, the more you get tackled? The more you get hit, you get a better feel for the game. Edge rushers say the same thing because you're going up against somebody and you're setting them up for the next move. Running backs, typical. Okay, this is what I can, cannot do, get away with. But if you're only getting a couple of carries and then someone else is coming in. So I get, I understand the by-committee approach, but I also understand a running back, regardless if it's a rookie or a 10-year veteran, they want to be able to build upon the previous play, feel better, get their legs under them, figure out what the defense is doing, and then react accordingly. Tough to do that if you're only getting a couple of snaps and then you're sitting for a series. This this is important for Keontae Ingram to come come back and have a better outing than what he had before this neck injury. It's not the same, but it kind of reminds me of Majay Sanders, who's still on IR with his hand, because we saw sparks from Sanders last year. And so this is an integral point in his career, especially with a new staff, of needing to show what you can do to this staff, to teams around the league, and, and to still be hurt. That's That that can play a big-time role in how the rest of your career shakes out this early on in your career. I think with the limited opportunities we saw from Ingram last year, the not great showing so far from Ingram to start this year, again, with the new staff, like th- this is important for him to come out and show what he can do. And he earned that RB2 spot after training camp and preseason. I don't want to take that away from him. It wasn't just given to him. But now you need to come back and you need to show a similar performance of what we saw was Minnesota, right? Where he, he had a great game. Am I com- remembering correctly? I believe so, yeah. 
show that, right? Show, show what you can do. Come back now that you're healthy and you're cleared and earn those reps. You brought up Dobbs and his ability to run easier to have a quarterback as a threat when you're close or you have the lead so you're not forced to throw the ball a lot like the Cardinals have the past couple of weeks, especially late in games. The other wild card in all of this is Rondell Moore. He's already had eight carries for 116 yards. Now, he had six all of last year, but those were carries by the game book only because I throws... I can tell you exactly where in the game book, Craig. The th- <laughs> First play of the game. game? But those were throws behind the line of scrimmage. So, yes, it's a pass play, but the game book lists it as a run to the right or to the left. So the previous coaching staff, like Rondell Moore in space, giving the ball to him behind the line of scrimmage. This coaching staff, we've seen number four in the backfield, whether that's taking a handoff, a direct snap. It's looked a lot different, and I wonder how much more we might see of that. Again, maybe not specifically this week, but you're not going to have Connor for four more games. Potentially more, but it's going to be at least four you have to figure out some way to make sure you keep this running game as potent as it has been. I do think that's a great option. I don't think that's an option multiple times in a game. I mean, I think part of the reason we've seen such success with Rondale Moore out of the backfield, those chunk plays, that what 44-48 yard touchdown against the Cowboys where he was untouched out of the backfield, those kinds of plays don't work if that's all Rondell Moore is doing every single game. I think offensive coordinator Drew Petzing has done a nice job using those where and when it makes sense. And even when it's not that type of play, we've seen more in motion. And you're right, talking about getting you know, the snaps or different kind of handoffs. And it's been good to see because it feels like this staff has a better grasp on how to utilize Rondell Moore's unique skill set. I still think that not just Moore, but wide receivers as a whole, I mean... It's been interesting to see it kind of go up and down. It hasn't been consistent enough for my liking. I mean, Michael Wilson had his first target, what, the fourth quarter against Cincinnati? That's bizarre to me, especially coming off the game he had. Look, every game dictates different game plans, right? Every every game unfolds in a different way. So, of course, it's going to change week to week. But that's been something that I has kind of been frustrating in my eyes of, Hollywood Brown continues to get more targets, more receptions, right? That's the go-to guy. I have no problem with that. Where's Michael Wilson? Where are you using Rondell Moore, Zach Paschal, when they are out there and have those opportunities? That, to me, is still a big part of this offense that has not been there yet. It wasn't just bizarre to you, to me, to everyone else watching that game, either on television or in person, that the first target to number 14 is three minutes to go in the fourth quarter. It was also bizarre to Josh Dobbs. He was asked about that. He mentioned, Dobbs mentioned, that he texted Michael Wilson after the ball game. And he said Wilson had a great attitude about it. But Dobbs, again, as we've heard so far this season, took full responsibility. I can't wait until the fourth quarter to give you your first target. He needs to be more involved earlier in the game. Establish him early in the game. And I get it, game flow or whatever, but I think that falls more on the quarterback than it does on the play caller because you can have the play designed. You have a number of different options. 
And sometimes you do, as a quarterback, have to look for your number one guy. And yes, that's Hollywood Brown, but your number two guy. Who's your top playmakers? Don't ignore someone. And if you have to force it, you force it. Especially coming off the game that Wilson had the previous week. Two touchdowns. So yeah, you knew that the defense was going to focus on him maybe a little bit more. But that doesn't mean you go away from him. And I think Dobbs realized that at the end. I I, I agree with what Dobbs was saying. And I, I like the accountability. Because at least when it comes from Dobbs, I'm, I shouldn't have said at least because it's, it's not like it feels any differently from other players or coaches in the organization. It's, it's genuine. It feels genuine when Dobbs gets up in front of the media and talks about accountability the same way he talked about having accountability directly after the game when it came to those turnovers, which is something we had not seen from Dobbs, have not seen from this offense. The first turnover was week one in Washington. That's the fumble. That Dobbs lost, and then since then, this Cardinals team hasn't had a turnover, hadn't lost a turnover battle. And then against the Bengals, an interception, a pick six, turnover on downs, strip sack recovered by the Bengals. It was not a great performance by Dobbs, by this offense as a whole. I think the same way that the Bengals used it as a get-right game mentally, I think the Cardinals, to a certain extent, you're kind of due for for a game like that, right? I mean, just with the situation of Josh Dobbs coming in so quickly and all the injuries and everything you've been going through of, I, I'm not feeling totally down on this team because they had one crappy performance. Because we've seen enough good, I feel like, from the personnel that has been out there that Josh Dobbs can keep them in games. This team can win games. This defense can stop good offenses. They can force turnovers you've just faced a really really good team in the 49ers and you faced a Bengals team that finally got a healthy quarterback in Joe Burrow and that connection with Jamar Chase finally clicked so I'm not feeling totally down after this loss to the Bengals for the Cardinals because I think there's still been enough good to where it's okay right like games like that are going to happen the sky's not falling are you calling your shot Sunday against the Rams in terms of what? Is that what you're doing? The get-right game for the Cardinals oh. offensively? Are we trying to speak something into existence? Sure, let's do it. As you've had several successes in the past? Yeah, but then when you put me on the spot last time, I like panicked and I said Keetra Clark was going to get a pick six. And I don't think that was any... I mean, you know, he didn't. I don't think there was any close opportunity <laughs> for that. No, but then you made it up for because Garrett Williams came off at the oh, NFI I, list. That's so right. that's why I, I kind of... on that one. I kind of ignored the... Keytrail part, but you were you were good on the <laughs> Garrett you. Williams. You know when things went well. Now, as we speak here on Wednesday on Cardinals Cover Two, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Is it concerning to you? It's not to me right now because it is Wednesday. But we did not see Hollywood Brown on the practice field during the open portion of Wednesday's practice, and we are speaking in full disclosure here, Bird Gang, speaking before the injury report has been released. So maybe, depending on what that injury report says, will sway my thinking one way or the other, but a Wednesday absence, I'm going to say not that big a deal. Not concerning, because it is early in the week. Um, we, from our knowledge, Hollywood Brown did not suffer any injury in Sunday's game, so this could be rest. Um, although we haven't really seen vet rest days yet, so maybe maybe it's just something of like being precautionary or just trying to rest. It's also it's also flu season, and and I know that sounds crazy, but I know that right because we just had our flu yep. shots. That you my know, that arm, had the by option. the way, still hurts. Oh, you need to lift some more weights, Craig. Uh, but my point being is like like there there's a, we're at the time of the year where 
people get sick. Like, there, you know, it's just things can happen. And so I'm not I'm not concerned yet. Again, we haven't gotten the injury report. So if it is something like another hamstring or like, right, then, okay, yeah, my ears will perk up a little bit. But where we're sitting right now recording this, I don't really have concern for why Hollywood Brown was not seen at practice. Okay, I'm in agreement. Let's go with that. Let's run with that. Now, Jalen Thompson, who is dealing with a hamstring injury, he was not spotted during the open portion of practice. We'll kind of monitor that situation. The good news is, is JT was not placed on IR. James Conner was. So that should tell you or read something into the severity of the knee injury for Conner and the hamstring injury for Thompson, at least that's what I'm hoping here again on a Wednesday. It almost feels like the floodgates are about to yeah. open, doesn't it? Isn't that what it kind of feels like when it comes to these injuries on defense? I mean, look, it's not an excuse. Every team it happens to every team. But starting from the season, LJ Collier done with biceps. Carlos Watkins done with biceps. Two of your starting D linemen. Josh Woods came back from his ankle injury, which was great. He missed three games. It was good to see him back out there. He had a good game. Buda Baker is still on IR with his hamstring injury. This is the... This is his last game. He's got Sunday, and then he can come back. Right. Because he'll miss. He'll have missed four games on IR plus five, uh, five games total. Yeah, so he got hurt in week one. And he tweeted, or, he tweeted prior to Sunday's game, you know, hey, you know, sooner rather than later, so that makes me feel good. But then you lose Jalen Thompson. That's a huge blow from how Thompson has been stepping up and performing for this defense. You just hope it's not long term. When you've got a hamstring and you're not out there Wednesday, we need to see Thursday. You know, again, the injury report, it doesn't really feel like it would be realistic to assume that Jalen Thompson will be ready to play Sunday in L.A. Hamstrings are just they're tricky. Could be why during the open portion on Wednesday that we saw Antonio Hamilton working with the safeties. Garrett Williams was also working with the safeties as well. Not sure if this is the week that Garrett gets added to the active roster or I'm gonna not. I'm going to say yes. That's what you're I'm going to manifest. Yes? That's, gonna That's manifest? what I'll manifest, okay. that Garrett Williams will be active Sunday. There is certainly a need in that secondary. We'll get to that here in a moment. But with Antonio Hamilton spotted working with the safeties, that could be more of, okay, not that he's going to play safety, but maybe play a little bit more in the slot, which is where Jalen Thompson has been playing a lot because in that safety room you do have Kayvon Wallace. Note on him a little bit later on. Andre Saussure, Joy Blunt, who was forced into action on Sunday against the Bengals. So there are guys in that room, but guys that are not named Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson. To the point is, yeah, you can only say next man up so many times, and then that next man up is someone literally off the street. And that's that's the difficult part for the players and the coaches, right? You can only do so much, right? I mean, there's there's a reason that some of these players are starters and some aren't, right? There's just a difference in skill set and experience. I do think as a whole, this defense, we should give them credit. They have done a nice job with all of the injuries of the players that have come in and stepped up and, again, continuing that fight. And it's not just injuries someone like a Buda Baker where you're going into the game knowing you're not going to have them. Jalen Thompson got hurt during Sunday's game against the Bengals. Antonio Hamilton had to exit twice. Once with an ankle, he walked off to the locker room without a shoe on his right foot and then came back and got his ankles taped, then had to come out again because he was being checked for a concussion, cleared protocol, and went back in. These are fast decisions that are having to be made from a personnel standpoint of 
players going in and being able to be in the right spot at the right time. So you're dealing with injuries and then you're dealing with performance that hasn't been up to the player standard, to the coach's standard, specifically the secondary Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase on Sunday against the Bengals because the numbers do not look good at all, specifically for Marco Wilson. He did not have a good game, has not had, he's had a few of those games this season. Not all on Marco, not all on that secondary, but if you do not have a consistent pass rush, if you're not affecting the quarterback, you are asking a ton of these cornerbacks to cover wide receivers. And this week, it's going to be Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua, two players that Matthew Stafford has won, a long-term relationship one with, and second of all, with the rookie, certainly not very well as far as length of time, but they have connected instantaneously as far as quarterback and wide receiver. So you're going to have a number of different wide receivers potentially that you're going to have to pay attention to as a Cardinals defense. And as much as that secondary is a struggle, Danny, figure out a way to get to Matthew Stafford. And I know the Cardinals don't like to blitz, although Sunday they blitz more than they had all season. It's not something that this coaching staff likes to do, but it's that adapt ability that we keep hearing and part of that might be to change what they do until guys start getting healthy. Matthew Stafford might also be the most immobile quarterback this defense has faced all year. He doesn't run. He doesn't need to for the most part. I mean, this team as a whole, the Rams, aren't running the ball in general. They haven't had a need to. Cooper Cup had his first game back last week, coming off IR with the hamstring injury. Not great timing for the Cardinals, although they have found a way to shut Cup down in the past. And you're right, Puka Nakua has come out with an impressive hot start to his career. He's got the second most receiving yards, almost 600 so far. So that connection is absolutely there, and now it becomes a dynamic duo with Cup's return. I do think this is a game where you can blitz a little bit more, and I think that Matthew Stafford is a quarterback, again, that you can kind of get into the backfield and maybe disrupt him a little more than most of the quarterbacks you have already faced this season. He's not the most... It's interesting because Matthew Stafford's completion percentage isn't spectacular, but this Rams team, he's still slinging it. I mean, he's still passing the ball. He's got the fourth most passing yards in the league. So it's an interesting Rams offense of there weren't high expectations it's not like they're absolutely incredible at really anything but they're still finding a way to get it done they're relying heavily on the pass game so far this season to get their wins which they have two of them in five games but to your point about Stafford he's been blitzed 63 times that's almost 13 times a game and according to Next Gen Stats, he has been pressured on 42% of his dropbacks. That is the sixth highest among quarterbacks. And when he does get pressure, his completion percentage drops below 50%. Overall, it's just over 61% completion percentage. But going back to what the Cardinals do defensively, they do not blitz. They have the lowest blitz rate. They have the second lowest pressure rate. Now that falls more on not just the scheme, but also the players not winning their one-on-one battles. Not so much are you bringing four, bringing five, but are you beating the guy across from you to where I would like to see a little bit more, whether that's from the interior or from your outside linebackers, but not allow, in this most recent case, Joe Burrow to stand in the pocket, pick apart the secondary to the point where Marco Wilson is chasing Jamar Chase nine times out of ten. 
when it comes to Blitz, you don't have Buda Baker and you there's a good chance, in my opinion, a good chance. There is a chance you won't have Jalen Thompson. So now if you're going to try and get more pressure from your front seven, now you're which isn't uncommon for this team. You're going to have to be in packages where you've got probably one linebacker, just Kaiser White most likely out there and, you know, put out a third pass rusher to try and get some pressure. I mean, when it comes to a blitz and you're looking at personnel, well, again, without Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson, it, it limits you. Cardinals and Rams play at 125 on Sunday. 8.30 is the pregame coverage. Again, can the Cardinals do what they have done each of the past two seasons in the regular season, and that is win at SoFi Stadium. They have won two of their last three visits, the loss coming in that playoff game in 2001. But the Cardinals and Rams is the Week 6 matchup. And we touched on Kayvon Wallace, and I mentioned that there was going to be a little bit of a note on him a little bit later on, and that is because... Kayvon Wallace is this week's sideline exchange. And we always like to promote things on Cardinals Cover 2, especially when it involves Danny Sarek. I appreciate that. He was my sideline exchange interview, and he was great. It was the first opportunity I've had to really get some one-on-one time with Kayvon. He was acquired just before the season started um, off waiver claims, so after you know training camp, training camp and preseason. Um, but he was great. His answers were great. Were great. He had long answers, detailed Um, And he's coming off, you know, individually a good game. That big stop, fourth and one, that goal line stand, that final tackle was him. He had his first career interception. So we talked about a little bit about that game, not much. Uh, Talked about the foundation with this defense and looking ahead to the Rams. So overall, I thought it was a pretty good interview. Um, Good good to get some one-on-one time with Kayvon Wallace. So that'll go up Thursday on official YouTube channel, website, all that good stuff. And he was one of those players that was claimed and immediately found himself in a role because of his history with Gannon and Nick Rollis in Philadelphia. So that is that's one of those waiver claims like, okay, what are the Eagles doing and what are this what do these coaches know past history with? What do they have a relationship with and can they help us? And Kayvon Wallace, especially with the absence of Buda Baker going into week two and now with Jalen Thompson potentially not being available this week. Yeah, there's going to be a lot more on Wallace's shoulders as being that safety, that back-end defense. That's what he's been. He's played 94% of the defensive snaps, every defensive snap, the last four games. And how many games has Buda Baker missed so far? Four games. So this has been a player that the Cardinals have relied on, and he has stepped up to the challenge, I feel like, coming in right before the season started. And I remember in Washington, he had some good plays, and we were all kind of like, oh, okay, that's impressive. You literally just got here and you're, okay, seems like you you can handle this. So again, it was a good interview. I really enjoyed getting to talk with him. Also pay attention when we talk about the secondary for the Cardinals, pay attention to number 13, Keetrell Clark. Does he start this week? He did not start last week, which was a huge surprise to me. And the question is, okay, was it performance-based or was it something else? Darren Urban has posted a story on azcardinals.com spoke to Clark earlier on Wednesday, and Clark told Darren that getting benched was, quote, something I expected. I accepted it, played my role, and when my number was called, I was ready to go, end quote. Sitting here on Monday, talking with Paul Calvisi on Cardinals Cover 2, reading the body language, watching Keetrell Clark on Sunday, where his helmet was, resting in his hand to his side, being away from his teammates, I don't think Keetrell Clark would have played on Sunday if it were not 
for the injuries to Antonio Hamilton and Jalen Thompson. I'm reading something into, maybe there's nothing there, but I'm reading something into someone who has started every single game, played nearly every single snap, and then all of a sudden doesn't get the start. So what happens this week? Well, as Darren mentions in his blog posts, we might not never know because there are still injuries in the secondary. The Cardinals cannot afford to make a statement and sit if that was indeed the case, a message being sent. Cardinals need Keytrail Clark on the football field this week. Absolutely. And it's not just Keytrail Clark, right? It's not just Marco Wilson. Like the play as the whole, especially against the Bengals, but you know, like the last few weeks just hasn't it hasn't been what the standards are from this defensive staff and, and from the players as well. Um, it doesn't it, it makes sense to me because something we've gathered from Jonathan Gannon since he got here was liking youth, right? If there are players who are pretty similar in the skill set, a good example would be Colt McCoy and walking away from the veteran quarterback of whether or not the arm strength was still there, not being as mobile, right, as some of those younger quarterbacks. It just seems like if a younger player is going to be able to handle themselves, that's kind of what you want to see, especially with where the Cardinals are right now. You want to see what you have in those players. So maybe this was a situation where, you know what, Keetra Clark just needs needs some extra practice reps, needs to kind of not be a starter and take things in maybe from the sideline. And he wouldn't be the, if that were the case, he wouldn't be the first player to do that. That's not to say that this coaching staff is done with Keetra Clark or anything by, by that means. No, right? This could also be, Antonio Hamilton has been practicing really well and doing really well in the limited role leading up to Sunday's matchup that the staff wanted to give him a chance to start. And as we've heard from Nick Rollis, roles are ever-changing. Jonathan Gannon has said that as well. They will put the players that they believe each week give them the best chance to win that particular week. And is that as a starter? Is that as a reserve? Or is there no role at all for you on that given week? Here's the other thing that'll be interesting was... This was the first game Sunday against the Bengals that we saw any DB travel. Marco Wilson traveled with Jamar Chase. It wasn't every play. It wasn't at all three touchdowns. Marco was not the guy guarding Jamar Chase, but it was for the most part. And that was the first time all season we'd seen a DB travel. Normally, Keetra Clark and Marco Wilson stayed on their respective sides. Is that going to be a thought moving forward? Was that just for Jamar Chase? Was it something this coaching staff was trying to figure out? Is somebody specific going to travel with Cooper Cup or Puka Nukua this week in L.A.? We'll see. And then we'll see post-game whether we can get Danny to get the head coach to swallow an expletive on a response to one of her questions. I don't want to manifest that again. That was fun. Was it for you? For me, because I was not down in the locker room. He wasn't, but, yes. he wasn't heated no, with me, but it was Gannon, passion. No. It was passion. Gannon was not upset at the question. It was what had happened, what had transpired on the field with respects to what Jamar Chase was doing to Gannon's secondary. Remember, cornerbacks, defensive backs, that's Gannon's baby. That's the position he played. That's the position he knows best. So when someone receives almost 200 yards on 15 catches, 19 targets, yeah, you're going you're gonna to be a little upset. And Gannon was a little upset, Okay, a lot upset. On Sunday. Yes, but not at me. No, but not at Danny, because no one's ever upset at Danny. In fact, we're so happy for Danny Sarek. Why? Thursday is a big day. She is going to be filling in for Ron Wolfley, co-hosting with Paul Calvisi on the Big Red Rage. 
By the way, Hollywood Brown is the scheduled guest, so... I'll get the scoop on why he missed practice. Knock on wood. Everyone tune in. That is Thursday at Trophy at 6 p.m. and then 7 p.m. on Thursday. The latest Folks Tales episode debuts. Renaissance Man premieres on Thursday, October 12th on the Cardinals' official YouTube channel. Going back and looking at how Kurt Warner resurrected his career with the Arizona Cardinals. He was signed in 2005. Matt Leiner drafted in 2006, yet it was Warner who led the Cardinals to the Super Bowl in 2008, not Matt Leiner. And that was, according to many, that run with the Cardinals is what ultimately got Kurt Warner into the Hall of Fame. He needed that next chapter in his career, and that is the subject of this Folktales episode titled Renaissance Man. And the best part of these Folktales episodes is that there's more than one way to consume them. There's the video portion, article portion, podcast portion. We've got you covered in every way. All on azcardinals.com and all the many social media channels as well. I'll let you go prepare because I know as we speak here on Wednesday, it's a big Thursday. So uh, I'll let you go and and prepare. Yeah, I've got big shoes to fill for Wolf. Yes. Paul will carry me. It's fine. You might be carrying Paul. No. No? Paul's the vet on this. I'm just going to I'm going to roll with the punches with Paul. Okay. Should be fascinating. Should be very entertaining. You know what? That's a great way to describe what it should be as entertaining. <laughs> Absolutely. 6 p.m. Big Red Rage on Thursday at Trophy if you can make it. If not, you can listen on flagship station Arizona Sports and then of course if you miss it, it does show up on my podcast feed Thursday night Friday morning so you don't miss any episode. <laughs> Thanks, Craig. On that note, we'll put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro, our associate producer, Cody Fincher. For Danny Sarek, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.